As you're turning to Acts chapter 10, let me just encourage you to pick up one of the uh, weekly prayer sheets that the church puts out. These are on the uh, little credenza as you come in the double glass doors there on the foyer. So uh, take the prayer sheet and remember to pray for one another. Also on that little uh, table, you can pick up uh, one of these. It's called the Exchange Find Five, and it has this little... Um, acrostic called FANS, stands for friends and family, associates and acquaintances, neighbors and strangers, and then five blanks. And so these are five people uh, in one of those four categories that you can begin to pray for. And so this is going to be in our sermon tonight. Um, You'll see that Cornelius will gather together FANS. And uh, He'll have them ready for Peter to present the gospel to. Now, um, this is an exciting message. Many years ago, um, we had evangelist Barry Webb, whom we've had here. And um, he came to me at the beginning of the week and he said, "Ah, Next week, they canceled my meetings. I don't have anything to go to. I'm sure he didn't do it like that. He did it with more joy. And I said, well, you know what? Would you prayerfully consider staying a second week with us? And even though we don't have anything planned, I bet you I can get some people in the church together and you can preach in their homes. So I made a few phone calls to some people in the church and said, look, would your home be open for the evangelist to just take one night next week and share the gospel to your friends, relatives, neighbors, the fans group. And uh, we had homes lined up for every night. Um, The night that we hosted it in our home, um, an agnostic neighbor came with his girlfriend and heard the gospel presented. Um, Some neighbors about eight houses down were members of the church and they teamed up with us and they brought uh, their athletic trainer from the gym and he trusted Christ that night. Uh, on another night, we, we had it in another home, and uh, just each night as the gospel was presented, people believed on the Lord. It was very exciting, and um, so Barry told me before he committed to it, he says, let me, let me pray about it, and so the next morning as he prayed about it, he left it in the Lord's hand, and he opened up his Bible to Acts chapter 10, and that was his daily scripture reading. And uh, when he got done reading Acts chapter 10, he got a hold of me and said, yes, um, I will stay next week and preach the gospel doing it this way, even though I've never done it that way before. And so it was a little outside of his realm of experience, but we had a great time uh, preaching the gospel this way. So tonight, um, reaching your sphere of influence. Now, the Greek word for this is an oikos. Have you seen that brand of yogurt in the store, Oikos? All right. So that's the Greek word for house or household. And a household was much larger than just the individual family. And so we'll see Cornelius, who's not even a Christian, at the beginning of our story tonight, um, being led by the Lord to send for Peter and to then listen to the message that Peter wants to preach. 
And as Peter preaches, then Cornelius and his whole family come to know the Lord. And so tonight, let's just go through this. Um, the title of the message is Reaching Your Sphere of Influence for Christ. Uh, you can win your sphere of influence for Christ, and we'll explain this as we go through. So let's look here. Your sphere of influence includes your household. Acts chapter 10, uh, verses 1 and 2, and then you see I've got um, some other verses there. Now, can you see the, the frans up there? Is that maybe is too light for you? But it says frans in the, the colored letters that go down the, the acrostic there. All right, Acts chapter 10, uh, let's look here at verses 1 and 2. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Verse 3, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he had looked upon him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Well, just one quick observation here. It was a God-fearer, and he was doing good works, but they couldn't get him to heaven. He needed God to reveal to him that he needed to send for Peter. And Peter would preach the gospel and show him how to be saved, what he needed to do. Now, a devout man, this uh, Cornelius here, He's a Gentile. He's, he's a non-Jew. That's what a Gentile is. Anybody who's not a Jew is a Gentile. And, but we notice about him that he does fear God. If you stop and you think about it, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of Roman or Greek deities that he could have worshipped. But he had not given himself over to idolatry, he was looking for the one true God. And so he was a generous man, he was a compassionate man, as a soldier, it almost is a little oxymoron, soldier and compassionate. Do those things really go together? Well, yes, they do, all right? And so he's giving alms, which is his acts of charity to the people, and he prayed to God always. And so this man is not even a Christian yet, but he does pray, and God honors his prayer. You want to believe in me? You pray to me? You talk to me a lot? All right? I'll honor that kind of faith, and I'll send somebody to tell you how you can have a relationship with me. I'll send somebody to share the good news with you. And so we see that he gathers together all these different groups of people here, okay, um, so let's go down to verse 7. And when the angel which spoke unto Cornelius had departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that, uh, that waited upon him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. 
So he had been given instructions. Go fetch Simon Peter. He's in Joppa, right on the coast, by the seaside, at Simon the Tanner's house. Send and go get him. So he's obedient to that. And so he takes these people who you might call his associates. I don't know that you can call them co-workers if they're servants, uh, but there's at least a soldier who has been assigned under his command, and he would be an associate of Cornelius, and he sends them. So that's within his sphere of influence. Let's go down to verses 23 and 24. Then he called them in and lodged, and they lodged. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So these are Cornelius's associates. Verse 24. Um, and so it says, And on the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea, Cornelius waited for them and had called together his what? Kinsmen and near friends. All right? So there's your relatives uh, and there's your friends, right? Do you love your relatives? Do you love your friends? Do you want them to know about Jesus? Now, we're going to make an assumption that in verse 27, it says that as he talked with them, he went in and found many that were come together. The house was packed. I remember one particular night where um, a family was having a birthday party for the grandfather of the family, uh, we had over 80 people in the home. And I was just overwhelmed by that opportunity to present the gospel. We had dinner, we had a couple of games, we sang happy birthday, and um, Family and the friends and the neighbors were invited to come to the birthday party, but they all knew that a short gospel message was going to be preached. And so that night when there were so many, I just took the, the fellow believers in the church and I gave them a big five by seven version of the bridge track. And I said, here's like 15 or 10 uh, of the individual copies of the bridge track. Pass those out. We're going to break this crowd up into groups of of 10, and um, you go ahead and just read what's on the gospel track. And I can remember the joy, one of the groups coming and telling me that a teenage boy accepted Jesus that night from just reading the bridge track in a group of people. That was very exciting. Didn't take a lot of skill to do that, but it was so exciting. But they had gathered the extended family together. The place was packed. Well, perhaps then in verse 27, the neighbors had been invited. Now, if you've ever been to uh, Capernaum or to Caesarea, uh, these towns were divided essentially between the Jewish side of town and the Gentile side of town. Now, if you go to Capernaum, um, even today, the Gentile side of town has not been excavated. It's still under the soil of thousands of years. They've excavated the Jewish side, and they found the synagogue. They found what they believe to be Peter's home. Um, they have found different places of interest in Copernicum. Well, 
perhaps if someone were to take the time to go up to Caesarea and excavate it, maybe they could find Cornelius' home uh, where this event took place. So all of these different groups here, uh, your friends, all right, uh, they were gathered together. Cornelius took the time. It was important to him because he knew that a gospel messenger by the name of Simon Peter was coming. And he had gathered them all together to listen to what Peter had to say. Your home is a great place to do this. Even a restaurant, if you reserve a room, is a great place to do this. A park setting is a great place to do this. But use any occasion, any excuse to preach the gospel. It can be a birthday, it can be an anniversary, it can be a holiday, it can be even an unbirthday. Okay, according to Alice in Wonderland. All right, so just find some occasion uh, to preach the gospel. Now, if we're going to win our sphere of influence to Christ, then uh, we're going to need to uh, win them by overcoming some of the challenges. Look at the challenges that Peter faced uh, in here in Acts chapter ten. Look at verse twenty. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. All right, so God has to directly tell Peter in a vision, Peter, go to a Gentile's house. Don't doubt what I'm saying, just do it. Because in verse 17, now, while Peter doubted in himself, God, is it really okay for me, a Jew, to associate with a Gentile? And not just a Gentile, but an Italian, an occupier of my country. Is this really okay, God? Can I really do this? And uh, the Lord says, go with them. Don't doubt what I'm doing. And so, you know, sometimes we face the uncertainty. Does anybody really want to listen to what I have to say? Well, we looked a couple of weeks ago at the passage where Jesus told Paul, stay in Corinth, for I have, what, many people in this city. So sometimes... As Christians, we get such a negative, unbelieving attitude towards God that nobody wants to hear the gospel. That's a lie. That's not true. You need to be spirit-filled and spirit-empowered to share the gospel because God is working in people. God desires all men to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. So we just have to get over the lie that nobody wants to listen to the Christian message. Because God says otherwise. Let God be true. Let's be the liar and let's get right with God. and Let's get working for him on his side. And so let's not make excuses and figure, you know, this is so uncertain. Does this, do you really? Yes, God really wants you to be a witness to your friends, to your sphere of influence. Now, notice the length of time it took for Peter to do this. Verses 23 and 24. Then called he him, uh, them in, and they lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them 
and then certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him, and then the morrow after they entered into Caesarea. So that's a two days journey plus the overnight. It's two and a half days, and then maybe two days to get back. This is like four or five days of Peter's life. I'm just going to step on some toes. You know what the problem in California is right now with Christians? We're too busy to care for souls. We're just too busy. We don't care. Look, that's our problem. We're too busy. Can you imagine, Peter, how bummed he must have been that God interrupted his vacation at the seaside? I mean, if you've ever been to Joppa, it's Carmel. It's gorgeous. Mediterranean coast, it is, yeah, it's five star. Just the view. It doesn't matter where you are. And, and he's at a good place, all right? So we've been, uh, several years ago, I was able to go to Israel and, and see the traditional site of this chapter and to see uh, Simon the Tanner's home. And um, man, it's gorgeous. And then as you drive the coast highway to go up to Caesarea Maritime, man, that's like the 17-mile drive, folks. That's gorgeous, all right? It's really beautiful. And uh, I just like the drive in the countryside, right? And if you've ever been to Israel, it's California compressed, right? Um, they have Mount Hermon, which is almost 10,000 feet in the north. They have ski resorts on it, right? And they have then the Dead Sea in the south, which is the lowest point on earth. Um, and, and so it's just an amazing country. It has the deserts. It has the mountains. It has the coast. It has the foothills. I mean, it, it's got everything that California has. And so I just wonder if Peter was kind of thinking, ah, just got a way to rest. And now my vacation's been interrupted, right? So our time, we've got to get over the fact that if God wants us to reach our sphere of influence, it takes time. We've got to sacrifice time. This is one of the lame excuses that we find in Luke chapter 9 and chapter 10. Well, Lord, you know, I just bought a new piece of ground. I've got to work it. Lord, let me go bury my father. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's not even dead yet, all right? Um, you've got to make the time commitment. Then look at the, the feeling of inadequacy that Peter has. In verse 25, and as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter uh, took him up saying, stand up, I myself am also a man. Okay? Oh, boy. Sometimes you walk into situations and you know that the event or the situation is just much bigger than you are as a person. This is a larger-than-life experience that Peter is having. And um, I think it might be a little awkward to have somebody fall down at your feet and start to worship you. A little embarrassing, a little awkward, right? I'm just a person. Well... Are you just a person, 
Or are you a person that's filled with the Spirit of God who has a special message to deliver? Yeah, I was kind of wondering if maybe Peter is not hinting a little bit of inadequacy, but discomforts as well. Look at verse 28. And he said unto them, You know that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. You know the cultural custom here. You know this is a taboo. This is a line we don't cross. You know this, right? Now, I believe Peter has obeyed God. Go in faith, nothing doubting. Do what I've told you to do. Peter's doing that. But nonetheless, maybe sometimes we look at discomforts and we say, oh, that's a, that's, that's a different people group. I, I, I'm not adequately equipped to reach a different people group. Or that's a different socioeconomic background. I don't belong on that side of town, either up or down, right? Um, well, that's a, a bunch of men or that's a bunch of women. I, I can't do this, right? Well, Let's get over our uncertainty. Let's make the commitment of time. Let's go to our inadequacies. Let's get over our discomforts. I'm telling you, there have been some homes in that I have been very uncomfortable in. Homes where I didn't even want to sit down because I was afraid I might get fleas from sitting on the couches. Um, I remember when we went to purchase our first church uh, building in, in the last ministry. Uh, it was an old uh, moose lodge. And uh, it was used as a, a restaurant slash bar. And when we walked in, immediately I got a migraine headache because of the nicotine saturation in the carpet in the, in the acoustical tiles. And I wondered, God... This what you want? This, I mean, are people going to come and stay here? Um, at the time, Josiah's church up in Placerville, I think they came down and did a work day, took out 2,500 pounds of garbage out of the building. It was just saturated in the smell of smoke. And um, praise the Lord, that went away. But I had several reservations, and I've been in places that have made me uncomfortable is this really what you want me to do, God? Do you really want me to be in this home? I remember there was one home that I was in, and there were guinea pigs running around inside the house and straw everywhere. I remember another home had like 10 or 15 cats and cat urine everywhere. And it was just like, okay, Lord. I mean, I've been invited in. I've got some ministry to do here, but it's very uncomfortable. But you know, those are souls for whom Jesus dies too, amen? And they need Jesus just as well as some very places that have made me uncomfortable because they've been a little bit above my class, all right? And uh, not exactly knowing which fork to use first, okay? And uh, just different situations like that. So we've got to overcome our discomforts. All right, now, if we're going to reach our sphere of influence then we need to identify our helpers that will help us win our influence. Now go back to Acts chapter 10. 
And I want you to notice, first of all, the hospitality of Simon the Tanner. Um, God told him, Cornelius, to send his soldier and his servants down to Simon a Tanner. So they come, and um, when they get there, they're invited in to lodge overnight. Right? So Simon the Tanner is what we would put it here in our first point, a hospitable believer. Now, not a believer who's going to put you in the hospital, all right, but someone who's going to show you hospitality. He's going to minister to your needs. I bet you those uh, three servants needed their feet washed. I bet they needed to be fed. I bet you they needed a nice place to sleep. That all takes time and commitment as a host. And so, did you know that in the New Testament, hospitality is actually one of uh, a spiritual gift? Yeah, you can use your home. You see, um, my mother-in-law, when she was a widow, she didn't know what she could do, but she, she could cook. Yeah. Right. And uh, her table became a place of gospel ministry around food. And she didn't have luxurious settings. She had modest settings. And God greatly expanded her sphere of influence through her ministry. Um, And so she had that gift of hospitality. But maybe you can partner with another believer who does that. Let's look at verse 23. And so we see that they were called in And they stayed with Peter that night. But then, let's look at verse 23. We see a second group of people. It says, And certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So, Peter didn't keep this a secret. He said, hey, God's up to something. He's sent these three people because... I have been asked to go preach the gospel to this man, Cornelius, and his family. You want to join and get in on this? God's up to something. Yeah, I'm in. I'm going. Wait a minute. What about their daily business? What about their job? That was an interruption for their life. But, you know, here's what we need to understand. God many times sends what we think are interruptions because that's really what he wants to get done. I've told you the story of Dave Burgraff and how his father's car broke down right in front of a Christian mechanic's shop because God wanted to reach the Burgraff family. Dave Burgraff's dad got saved and then David and his brothers got saved. And It seemed like it was an interruption in his schedule, but it was his divine appointment to meet God. And what we think are interruptions really are God's divine appointments. So the next time you think, this is an inconvenience, this is interrupting what I'm doing, no, maybe it's what God's doing, and we need to join what God is doing. And so you look with your teammates, and so certain brethren got excited, and they traveled with him the two and a half days or the two days up to uh, Caesarea Maritime to go on this 
uh, if you will, gospel proclamation, this crusade, if you will. And so then you see here the third uh, bullet point is your gospel presentation. Now, we're not going to take the time to read all of this, but Peter just preaches Jesus to Cornelius and his household. Peter knows how to share the gospel. Do you know how to share the gospel? I can teach you using the five fingers on your right hand. This is grace. This is man. This is God. This is the ring finger is Christ, and the pinky is faith. Want to know more? I'll teach you more. All right? Then I can do it on two hands. All right? And each one of those five points has uh, two subpoints, so there's ten things to share, and I can teach that with you. Uh, do you know the Romans Road, uh, beginning in Romans 3:23, Romans 5:8, Romans 6:23, Romans 10:9 and 10, Romans 10:13? 10, uh, do you know how to use the Book of Romans to lead somebody to the Lord? But have some kind of gospel presentation ready to share with people. Maybe it's just taking the illustrated bridge track and having one copy for another person and having one copy for yourself and that can be your presenter's copy and then you give the other one away and you just read it together hey i'm on uh, picture number one turn to picture number one and we'll read what the words are under picture one and and you, all right picture two picture three and you just go from there but have some way to share the gospel with people when god brings people into your life Know how to do that. And then look at verse 44 as we bring this message to a close. It says, And while yet Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them which heard the word. Um, the Holy Spirit is our greatest helper. His ministry is to point people to Jesus. When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will convict them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. He will exalt, He will magnify Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit of God who caught up Philip and said, Philip, there's a man that has been here. He's got a copy of Isaiah. He's on the way home. He doesn't understand what he's reading. I want you to go down there and I want you to jump up in his chariot and I want you to share Jesus with him. And Philip did so. And so the Holy Spirit will lead us to divine appointments if we ask him to do so. Now, your sphere of influence is a whole lot bigger than what you think it is. Right? For every person you know, there's a set of family members connected with them. Have you built a relationship with um, a person in the community. I mean, it can be a cashier, it can be a mechanic, it could be a banker. Uh, that person has a household to reach. If you fast forward in the book of Acts, and you read chapter 16, God takes two households, two separate sphere of influence and he links them together 
and he starts a chain of conversions. Remember Acts 16.31? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. Do you know who the jailer's household was connected to? Well, earlier in Acts chapter 16, the Lord had opened Lydia's heart so that she and those in her household believed the word of the Lord. And so Lydia, a seller of purple, a businesswoman, and a jailer, their two homes were linked together. And God began to just build a New Testament church one link at a time. Folks, it's not hard for a local church to start growing rapidly when we catch what God is doing within a sphere of influence. They say the average person knows 100 people. And they fall somewhere in the spectrum of fans. So I encourage you tonight, on the way out the door, make sure that you find the fans sheet. And I just set mine down and I don't know what I did with it. Here it is. And then ask the Holy Spirit. Are there five people that I can start sharing Jesus? And pray for them. I encouraged you a few weeks ago to partner with another Christian here in the church. And if two of you pick five people, there may be some overlap, but you could have up to ten people to start praying for. And when you start praying for souls, God's going to use you, and he might even just send that person to you. And he'll start linking together these spheres of influences. And the church will grow. And it's going to be super exciting to watch God at work. I've seen it happen before. It is just a powerful work of God. Um, Barbara said, Pastor, can I talk to you? Yes. Brings her boyfriend in. Bob is ready to receive Jesus Christ. He prays right there and then. Uh, Barbara begins to witness to people at work and begins to witness to family members and then uh, her brother Paul gets saved and it's just the gospel link just begins to grow and households in spheres of influences see salvation so think about the people you know tonight and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in prayer to pray for them and write their names down and keep them in your Bible when you do your Bible reading Keep them on the refrigerator when you walk by to get a snack, which might be more frequent than Bible reading. Uh, you can, you know, pray, right? Just take a moment to pray for those people and then watch God go to work in your life and you'll get really excited about what God is doing. Let's close in prayer. Father, we come to you. Thank you that we can win our sphere of influence to Jesus Christ. Thank you that you so rapidly begin to link these uh, spheres of influence together to build a New Testament church. We pray that you would do that very thing here at Calvary as we begin to pray for souls and ask the Holy Spirit to show us where he's working and how he's leading. We ask this now in Jesus Christ.